Okay, great headline from an opinion piece I was reading last night. This was in the New York Times. Cars keep getting smarter. Do they have to look so boring? Interesting question, I thought. And particularly for our next guest, here's award-winning automotive writer Lorraine Sommerfeld, who joins us now on Global News Radio. Lorraine, good afternoon. How you doing? I'm well, thanks. A really interesting question, I thought. So what do you think? Despite all the technical revolutions we've seen in our cars over the last, I don't know, 10, 7 years, uh, has the look of them not followed suit? I think manufacturers are kind of damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. Because <laughs> as soon as you put out a funky-looking car with a crazy profile, like think about cubes or elements or... Uh, BMW just brought out a new M model, and it's the ugliest thing I've ever seen. But how do you really I mean, feel? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's got this big snout on it. It's very odd. But I think all our cars are either balls or boxes. You know, you look at a Hummer or the Jeep Gladiators or something. So it's either big boxes or just balls of cars because that is what gets the best fuel economy. So I think if people are brave and want something that stands out, they can go do it. And you can also buy orange cars and pink cars and cool colors. But then everyone goes, oh, resale value. It better be gray or white or black. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> it wasn't all that long ago. Maybe it was a little time ago. But, uh, you know, I'm thinking 70s and 80s. I mean, you You're could tell. Gremlins and Pacers, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking about muscle cars. And there's some wild colors. But they also had their own distinct designs, Lorraine. You could see Absolutely. a car coming from blocks down the road and know what it is. Today, it sort of feels like every car looks the same. Well, you've also got uh, the expense of what most, almost every manufacturer now is building off one chassis or two chassis. It's like they are putting, you know, they're putting on different tops but the underlying technology, especially as we move into EVs, they're just moving that platform across all their model lineups. And it's also very expensive to have a lot of very different models. And most of them, they can't recoup that money. It's impossible. And so like Ford decided to get out of the car game, except for Mustang. They're like, let's concentrate on where we make the money and stick with it. And when you've got Toyota and Honda who say, it's not broke, why are we going to fix it? So you've got, you know, decades of cars that almost look the same. They do very little tweaking to them. And part of it is, like I said, consumers say they want something, but when it comes right down to it, they don't step too far out of line, generally speaking. All right. So companies, they're hesitant to take chances. So have we lost kind of the art of car making, do you think? And you think a lot of the decisions and why cars look so similar is also because of function. There's so much R&D and research now. Mm -hmm. They know what works aerodynamically, and that doesn't change between brands. Well, I think you're bringing up a good point, which is cars are becoming increasingly about mobility um, instead of fashion statements, for lack of a better term. And I think as we look to them, and even when you look at rideshare companies and the idea of car sharing and things like that, we're putting mobility to the front of the equation, which makes sense. We should be using cars just when we need to and just for the things we need them for. And I think companies are starting to adapt to that. And again, as we move into EVs and things like that, there's not all the space for the crazy stuff that we loved when we were younger. I mean, if you've seen a gremlin, it can have a sheet on it. You know what it is. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and they were also really terrible cars. But, you know, no, I think we want quality. We expect them to last a long time. We want them to be low maintenance. We don't want to spend a lot of money on them. And we expect to, if we sell it, to get a good buck for it. 
So we're demanding a lot of things that we don't really want to pay for. So if we want, you know, razzle dazzle and crazy cars, you can find them. Mm-hmm. I say if you if you like a little hatchback, get it in bright green or something. <laughs> you know, have fun with it. But, sure, you know, but I'm, you don't think this is something the pendulum's going to swing back a little bit? That people are going to want a little individuality in the form of their car and the in the way it looks, other than just the paint. I I don't think so. Um, to be honest with you, I, I don't think we're going to go that way. What I would love to see is a resurgence of um, car clubs and people um, collecting cars, like we used to see. You know, people had Camaros, and there's clubs for everything. If I write about a Pacer, Pacer clubs contact me. Like, they are everywhere. So I would love to see a return to people finding, you know, the cars of their youth and restoring them. That that industry has really sagged a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't really do a lot in your garage anymore, but if people want something different, maybe they should look backwards instead of forwards. I don't know. <laughs> well, do you think as well that's just occurred to me that uh, maybe people take cars and they customize them themselves? As you well know, there's a huge aftermarket and people do things like spoilers, carbon fiber, that kind of thing. Is that how we're making our cars different from other people? I think um, that's more a generational thing. Like maybe my kids would do that. I know I wouldn't. So I'm not sure. Again, maybe we're customizing more um, on the inside, the same way our computers are very personal to us once we've loaded them in with what we want to have on them. I think our cars are computers, so I think people have um, the music and what their car is capable of doing. So maybe they're customizing on the inside instead of the outside. That's a great question. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But you know what? You bring up a good point as well, because our cars really are sort of rolling pieces of technology anymore or rolling smartphones, if you will. And smartphones don't really differ in design that much either, do they? No, but what's on everyone is very different. You know, like people have their life in their hand, (laughs) like they've got their life in the phone. And I think we do the same thing with our cars, like our settings. And maybe that there's so many things that you can set in a car you can have it for two years and still not know all the things that it does. Right. I tell people to put the owner's manual in the bathroom. It's the only place you'll read it. <laughs> We're so here much. with Lorraine Sommerfeld, automotive journalist. Uh, Lorraine, also want to discuss with you this afternoon uh, some breaking news we got, actually, that the uh, electrical vehicle chargers, EV chargers, will soon be installed at uh, most, if not all, en route rest stops uh, by the summer. I Great news. I love it. Thank you to Ontario Hydro and OPG for doing this because this is their their project. It's not the provinces. We desperately need more infrastructure for the cars. I'd um, like to see some rebates back too while we're talking about it. But um, yeah, if we're going to move forward, we have people have to have the safety and they have to know that they can get from here to two and a half hours away. Usually people with electric cars have already moved their lifestyle around a little bit. Um, they have a charger at their house. But as we grow, we're going to have to have better infrastructure, including at condos and hotels and things like that. But getting them onto the 400 and the 401, absolutely a step in the right direction. I got about 30 seconds, but do we know are they superchargers or are they the chargers that I'm going to have to, never mind, just stop for coffee, but have maybe lunch and dinner? They're the high-speed <laughs> chargers. They say they're going all out. They're the good ones. And they'll even let Tesla stay there. But Tesla folks, you got other places to charge up. So, you know. Let the pleads come in. <laughs> Lorraine, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much for joining us this afternoon. Thanks. Bye. All right. Automotive uh, journalist Lorraine Sommerfeld with us. And that does it for our time here on this Wednesday. Thanks as always for yours. I'm Jeff MacArthur. Have a great rest of the afternoon. I'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 on The Morning Show on Global Television. And keep it right here on Global News Radio.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.